welcome to part two of my message concerning strengthening yourself in the Lord. Our last session, we looked in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, where we looked at David's uh, way of dealing with his distress and grief, and at the time of uh, significant challenge to him, and we find that he did so by strengthening himself in the Lord. We want to continue today looking on this theme of strengthening yourself, uh, that it is our responsibility, ours as believers in Christ who are following him, seeking to live uh, holy and acceptable lives before him, even in times of challenge and uh, deep despair, there is a call that rises up within us that uh, we, we must respond to and we must see ourselves uh, in a different light and uh, strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Yeah, there's going to be times, of course, that we receive strengthening from the Lord uh, in, in a multitude of ways. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to go into all those different ways, but I want us to look today in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And that's my prayer today as we study these, that the Lord would grant us uh, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding uh, from his word. You know, right now uh, is a time in history, in our generation, where many faithful intercessors that have been praying and crying out to God have grown weary. Uh, they've prayed and prayed and stood in the gap, and it seems like they are not seeing so many answers. I, I've seen where people who are committed to making disciples, uh, a very focused and intense uh, commitment to this, uh, that they've become disillusioned that those that they were discipling have fallen away, have become disinterested or so forth. Even many pastors right now in America and across the world, they've resigned themselves to what seems to be uh, an, a ministry of agonizing uh, where, where there seems so little fruit and they've grown weary and in despair. And of course, we know surely that today all of Christianity is under attack on a multitude of fronts. This is undeniable. And in the midst of it, all that God calls holy, things that the believers in Christ that we call holy according to scripture are being called unholy. Everything seems to be upside down and uh, topsy-turvy. And according to even the prophets in the Old Testament, that righteousness and truth seem to have been fallen into the streets of America even today. And many, many of God's servants are tired, worn out and worn down. So this is, I think, a timely word for us that we can receive, even as Timothy did, from the life, the experience. And of course, these are not just Paul's own words. He was inspired by God, led by the Holy Spirit 
to speak these things and then to write them down for our good, our admonition. So Paul uses three different illustrations in these seven verses. Let me just point them out. One, he speaks about a soldier. Second would be that of an athlete. And three, that of a farmer. These three illustrations are practical illustrations that Paul was using to enforce biblical truths and greater spiritual realities to Timothy uh, by which he would be able to sustain himself in the midst of all persecution and opposition. And we can first learn from this that every, uh, in the face of every opposition, for us there is also every great opportunity. And let us see today the opportunity to strengthen ourselves in the Lord from what Paul is saying here. So from these three illustrations, uh, again, the soldier and the athlete and the farmer, Paul is stressing to Timothy that one, as a soldier, we have to get our minds set right. We have to have the mind of a soldier. And he had said uh, to him, first of all, the first way that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord is to have our minds set upon this fact that our strength comes from grace that is in the Lord Jesus. Grace. Grace is uh, the unmerited favor of God upon us. Absolutely. But my friends, it also includes the significance of God's power, uh, His power being released in us so that we can not only endure or survive but that we can actually end up thriving in whatever circumstances that we face. This grace is the power of God unleashed in us and, and then through us to be able to live righteous and holy lives, regardless of whatever happens. Paul is saying to us that we have to have this mindset that we are soldiers. And as our minds are set on this fact as soldiers, we realize that we in our own strength cannot uh, accomplish what God has called us to. The challenges of life are too much. We've, we're hearing today how many are uh, committing suicide through uh, the use of opioids. People are uh, restless and they've come to their wits end and they're uh, committing suicide in uh, untold numbers right now across the world. Uh, this is a hopelessness. It comes when people say, I no longer have the self-reserves to face the challenges of the day. My life is insignificant. I have no strength of my own. I cannot change things. And a fatalism sets in that says that man is not enough and they end up uh, taking their lives. Paul says that this is not for those that are in Christ. There is a grace to be found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wrench like us. Yes, but it also propels us onward to be able to walk in obedience. The second way that Paul ministers to Timothy is by saying we are to live in obedience. Now this seems uh, elementary. He says that the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, share these with faithful men who will be able to teach others. There is a call upon you and me to be faithful in whatever place and opportunities God has given to us. You're not where you are by accident, and it may not seem that the place you're at is a place of favor, a place of empowerment, but the reality is that that grace that is in Christ is in you, 
and it is to enable you to walk a life of obedience. Obey uh, all the things that Christ has commanded. And in our obedience, obviously the greatest obedience is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Second, to love our neighbors ourselves. Love without action is not love. So what are we to do? We are to be active as a soldier in spiritual warfare in order to bring the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. We both message and we model it for people. This is the obedience. In Deuteronomy, we can read in chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, that it, if we diligently obey the voice of the Lord our God and we obey carefully all of his commandments, then the Lord God will set us high above all the nations of the earth. All the blessings shall come on us and overtake us because we have obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. You know, unfortunately, many people today, we know about obedience. We may think about obedience, but it's not the same as doing obedience. But as we obey God, it releases to us the grace that gives us strength and power to fulfill every task that's been given to us. But the blessings of God that so many people are asking God for, that are seeking God, and people are running all over the place trying to find out where is God, where can I get blessed, where can I find relief, where is there rest for my soul, and a lot of it stems from the fact that we are not walking in obedience. What has God called you to do? It's to walk uprightly with Him, love justice, serve Him faithfully, message and model, the salvation of Christ to people, to love people in word and in deed. These are just things that we have to do, folks. And the, the, the soldier mentality in us is that everything around us may fight against us to keep us from that obedience. We can find ourselves busy with a lot of activities. We can pride ourselves on certain things of human achievement. But when it comes down to the facts, if we're not obeying, we're not walking in blessing. We're not depending upon the grace of God. We don't have the right mindset as a soldier. The third way that Paul encourages Timothy and us as a soldier, our calling is as a soldier and not a civilian. Now let that sink in a minute. Think in times of warfare. In our country today, as it is with most countries, you have civilian population and you have those that have come out of civilian population into the military. And, you know, there's an obvious difference, isn't there? To be in the military, you have to go through rigorous training. You have to have uh, uh, aptitudes and you have to adapt to circumstances and you learn new skills. But the fact is that when you go into the military, you release all that you had as a civilian, and you come under a supreme commander that tells you when and where and how uh, and what to do, and you simply have full obedience to that. You have sacrificed your previous privilege and freedoms as a civilian in order to please and to achieve things for the greater good of your country. As Christians, we are called by Paul and Christ to have that soldier mentality. We cannot afford to try to walk with God as civilians. When soldiers are learning and they're in uh, active service and they're uh, doing this duty to God and country, their lives are on the line. They have to be uh, 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 
what do you say, uh, constantly aware and uh, uh, in a present state of mind. They can't afford to be entangled with things like back home. You know, the, the water bill and the car broke down and uh, the grass is not growing green this spring. They can't afford those things. Well, as believers, we can't afford to be distracted by civilian things. We have to have our minds set straight and clear as a soldier. Uh, and uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then if you're raised with Christ, then seek the things which are above where Christ is. Uh, set your minds on things of above, not on things of the world. If, if you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, then when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. There is the ultimate time of being Christ in glory. But right now, if our lives are hid with Christ in God, then as believers, we have to have our minds set upon the things that are on the mind of Christ. And the scripture says that we have the mind of Christ, but we have to walk in that. We have to acknowledge it. So this illustration of a soldier is very important for us. And there are three ways right there that we can begin to strengthen ourselves in the Lord uh, by recognizing that our grace uh, comes from God, that our obedience brings strength and, obe and uh, blessings, and that we're called as soldiers and not civilians. Paul goes on to say to Timothy, uh, the illustration of the athlete. And when you think of an athlete, you think of one who has sacrificing everything in order to be the absolute best, the champion in that particular sporting uh, event. Uh, we think of extreme effort. So the fourth way Paul says we can strengthen ourselves is to minimize natural reactions. The Romans 8, 5 through 9, you can read it, but it just summarizes saying that if we live according to the flesh, then our minds are set on the things of the flesh. Now, the flesh doesn't always have to be those wicked, evil, sensual things that uh, are just the utmost of depravity. This literally means when it speaks in these verses about the flesh or to be carnally minded, it's speaking about people who live according to only their five natural senses. That we live every day dictated by what we see, what we taste, what we smell, what we hear, and what we feel. Those natural things are the, are the maximum reality of our lives. So if we feel we're sick, then uh, we're sick indeed. And if we see something, we say that it is what it is. But to be carnally minded is to have our minds set upon the things of the flesh and not the spirit. But those who live according to the spirit, we, we have crucified that flesh and our minds are set upon the things that are on the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to bring the thoughts of Christ to us, the works and deeds of Christ to us so that we can walk in his footsteps. And that kind of life, it says, is life and peace. The carnal mind is, is an enemy of God. It is set against God. It thinks only of self. It only lives according to the natural. But Paul is saying, like this athlete, we have to overcome these natural reactions, these natural tendencies. That athlete feels pain in their body. They feel dehydration. They feel the ache. And yet they just press on. They dig deep. They keep going. And as believers, we do that same. Not, again, not in our own strength, but 
that grace that empowers us and propels us forward. The fifth way, uh, again, in light of the athlete, Paul says, is to live according to biblical truth. He, he says to them that um, uh, the uh, athlete competes. He has to compete according to the rules. What rules? The rules that are laid down in God's word. Beloved, for us to be able to live successfully and to, to, to build ourselves up and strengthen us in difficult times, we must know the word of God. I don't mean a casual relationship with it, but I mean to where it is life and breath to us. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The word of God is quick and sharp and it cuts deep within us. It reveals ourselves uh, to ourselves. We see ourselves really as we are in comparison to as that scripture brings Christ to us. And we, we can see ourselves and compare ourselves and then make changes for good. Uh, living according to biblical truth. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the admonition in Matthew 4, 4. Listen, whatever you're facing in life, it doesn't matter what it is, what area, which genre of life, my friends, God has an answer for you, has instructions for you in his word. Yes, some of them are hidden. We know in Proverbs, it says that wisdom is hidden down in the ground like a treasure. We've got to dig for it. That's why we can't be casual. We have to have a mindset that we're going to seek God. We're going to call upon his name. We're going to read. We're going to study. We're going to meditate on his word. Why? That that word that is spirit and life will come to us. Lastly, Paul encourages Timothy by the illustration of the farmer. Most of you, like me, maybe we live in urban cities. We don't know a lot about farming. But Paul gives us a little bit of an insight when he says that the farmer, uh, the hardworking farmer, must first uh, partake of the crops. What is he saying? He's saying that as uh, believers, we encourage ourselves by continuing our hard work, continuing to press on even in face of opposition. We press on. Why? Because we are, have our own strength and our own, no, to impress people, no. But that if we work hard, we're going to receive, uh, to be able to partake of the harvest that's coming. This is the sixth way we can encourage ourselves by expecting God's rewards. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. He is faithful father. He longs to give good gifts to his children. But hardworking children, faithful children, children who have the mind of a soldier putting forth the efforts of an athlete and then to expect that he's going to repay. Galatians 6 is a favorite scripture. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. Again, flesh is saying the five natural senses. If that's what you uh, think your life come, uh, is made up of, that's all that you're going to receive. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will love the Spirit, uh, reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for we will reap a harvest in due time if we do not faint. Amen. So we can encourage ourselves in the Lord by knowing that God is faithful. He sees our labors. He sees our pressing on. Even in times of struggle and grief and sorrow, we say we're not stopping. We're, 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 we're going to continue hardworking 
And then this comes to our, uh, to our reality that God gives us these uh, rewards. The last way, the seventh way that Paul encourages us uh, is found again under the farmer where he says that uh, the hardworking farmer uh, partakes, yes, but consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding. We can encourage ourselves on the, uh, uh, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord by receiving understanding from God. There is no doubt that the circumstances that you're facing that you do not fully understand. If somebody were to ask you, you would have extreme difficulty trying to explain it in a comprehensible way. It's just overwhelmed you. And yet we are called to seek understanding from God. God who feels what we feel, who knows all, who sees all. He stands ready to come to our aid. He's waiting for us. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in Luke 24, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter. But in verses 25 and 27, he says to his disciples, O foolish ones, you're so slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Uh, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded or explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There are things that you're not going to understand. Things maybe even in the scriptures you read and you don't understand it. It seems not to be applicable to you today in your, in your trial. But Jesus is longing to explain things to you. Explain things to you in the word that will strengthen you, that will encourage you, that will empower you. But you have to come to God. You have to ask. You have to dig in. You have to come to the word. Search the scriptures for they speak of Christ Jesus. Later, those disciples uh, said to Jesus, come and stay with us, abide with us. And of course, he was willing to do that. And it says in verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. My friends, even in the midst of all the challenges, God is calling you to abide with him. Don't leave him. Stay true to him. Have that soldier mentality. Put forth the athletic uh, efforts. And as a farmer, know that what you're sowing, you are going to reap a harvest in due time. We just cannot faint. Let me close with verse 45 in Luke chapter 24. And it says, Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And Psalms 119 says, David prayed, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall obey it with my whole heart. Amen. Is that your cry today? Your whole heart. And if it isn't, I encourage you to be in, to encourage yourself in the Lord by these seven ways, these through these three illustrations that God through Paul gave to Timothy. He's given them to you and us today. My prayer is that you be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind and that you receive a harvest in due time. Just don't give up. <music> 